This is Speaking of Writers. I'm Steve Richards. Chandler Baker is back with a comic suspense novel about how motherhood can really drain you. It's called Cutting Teeth. Chandler is a Texas native who currently lives in Austin and is the author of the New York Times bestseller at Reese Witherspoon Book Club pick Whisper Network. Her new novel opens with a young teacher who is found dead at the Little Academy Preschool. And the only potential witnesses are 10 adorable four-year-olds who have been craving blood. Their mothers, Darby and Mary Beth and Rhea, have been on a quest to snatch their identities, their careers, their sex lives, their bodies back out of the jaws of motherhood. As the police begin to investigate the death, the children's ability to bleed their parents dry becomes deadly serious. With humorous suspense, satire, and just the right dose of blood, Cutting Teeth explores the standards society holds mothers to, along with the ones to which we hold ourselves and the things no one tells you about becoming a parent. Happy to have Chandler Baker back on this program and joining me now. Welcome. Thank you. That was such a good summary. I want to like put you in my pocket and bring you with me everywhere. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> so the idea for Cutting Teeth, where did that come from? Oh, I remember the exact moment I came up with the idea. I took, we took our first like post COVID trip to Florida, um, to see my parents and my son turned one on that trip and my kids are four and a half years apart. Um, so with my daughter, I was starting to kind of regain like a sense of independence. I was getting some of my life back. And then that trip, my son was like the perfect amount of mobile and immune to all reason. And I don't think I had an adult conversation the entire time I was in Florida. I spent the whole time just chasing after him, making sure he didn't fall into pools or various bodies of water. Um, and I just felt like I had, I was like, what have I done to my life? I have lost every shred that I've built back over the last you know, six years. Um, and I really had this thought, like, what if children were, were vampires? What if they were literally vampires? And then I swear I'd been working on that idea, but during the course of writing it, my son did become the class biter also. And he just became like a shark in the water of his preschool. And that also gave a lot of inspiration as I was writing about, you know, sort of the preschool dynamics of having, having little biters. This is your third novel. So big question here, Chandler, what are the standards society holds mothers to you being a mother? <laughs> um, high ones, you know, I, I say and something that I that I think I came to as a conclusion while writing the book is that, you know, no one is as good a mother as they purport to be in public and no one's as bad a mother as they feel they are behind closed doors. Um, but, you know, we all sort of have our, our lines in the sand that we that we think we really feel good about, whether it's um, screen time or controlling the healthiness of their food. Um, all these are sort of markers that I think circle around the same idea in which being a good mother has become sort of centered around a culture of like expert worrying and you have to care and you have to care much and you, so much and you have to care all the time about every little thing and you have to perform that caring to be considered sort of a good active mother and I do think that that is like a very different standard than 
fathers are often held to. Like, I, I feel like if I send my kids to school with clothes that aren't matching and their hair is a mess and they have just like a lunchable in their lunchbox, um, I would be seen differently than, than if my husband were doing the same thing, right or wrong. That's just kind of kind of the status quo right now. Chandler Baker is my guest here on Speaking of Writers. The new novel out is called Cutting Teeth. This little academy school, what is the school like? <laughs> um, it is a little church preschool. So um, it is very similar to the ones that my children have attended. Um, it is a it is a secular preschool, but it's attached to a church like many preschools, at least here in Texas, where I live. And it's it's idyllic, right? It's the kind of place where there's it's colorful and the parents are involved. And if you had a child, it's, you know, the exact scenario you'd want to send them into if you wanted to be a protective parent. Let's talk about these characters, the mothers, Darby, Mary Beth, and Rhea. What are they like and how did you create them? Yeah, I, I really wanted each mother to sort of have like a different parenting philosophy and look at like what to them it was to be a good mother. Um, so as you kind of mentioned at the top, each of those characters are on sort of different missions at the outset to reclaim aspects of their identities that have been to them subsumed by motherhood. So um, Darby wants to get her body back. And that can seem like a very, um, I don't know, superficial goal, I guess, on the surface to want your body back, to want your figure back. Uh, but it's really a stand-in for wanting some like bodily autonomy that I think a lot of us, no matter how we have kids, whether it's through adoption or, um, you know, sorry, it, does, it doesn't matter how how your child came into being, you you do lose like a physical part of yourself. I mean, I swear my back hurts all the time from carrying kids. I feel at the end of every day, like I've just left the airport. I have like that feeling of being touched all the time. Um so it was trying to elevate that concerns of Darby into not a silly superficial one, but into a very real worthy goal. Um, and then you've got Mary Beth and she's sort of the more um, stereotypical like room mom, the perfect mom, the kind of mom that I always personally try to befriend because she knows, you know, what's going on at the school. She knows how to request the best teacher. She knows all of that stuff. Um, and she's trying to reclaim her sex life. So she uh, has started this 30 day sexy back challenge um, that's kind of being sponsored by the church where she is trying to be intimate with her husband uh, every day for 30 days. And again, it is trying to kind of elevate that concern to a very real one. And Rhea is a single mom and she's kind of an attachment parent. Uh, that's her philosophy. She really prides herself on doing everything organic, on co-sleeping, on um, on doing all these sorts of things to, because she thinks it's what it is to be a good mother, but also to perform um, a desirable aspect of motherhood as she sees it. And she's trying to build her business. So she is an entrepreneur and she's trying to make time for herself to build this business in the midst of all the chaos with her kids. Without giving away too much, of course, where'd the title cutting teeth come from? <laughs> um, I, well, it really came from my critique partner who's been my critique partner for a long time. Uh, 
it came very late in the process. So this book was called It Goes By So Fast for almost its entire life, like right before we were about to have to print it. And I always joke, it's called It Goes By So Fast and it's about how it doesn't. Um, but I just started to feel like I really wanted to elevate the thriller aspect of it. And I, you know, it's, it's about children that are craving blood, like they're little vampires. And I thought cutting teeth was when my friend proposed it. I was like, Oh, that's such a perfect title. Cause it's about parenting. It's about a stage of life in parenting. And also it works for what the book is actually about. Chandler, when you're writing an emotionally draining scene, sexy or sad or or whatever how do you get in the mood you got (laughs) you got vampires in this one yeah um you know I I it's funny like I definitely do feel depleted at the end of writing a book because I put so much of myself in these books I write about the life stage that I'm in so a lot of it really is spending some time writing longhand about the idea I'm trying to get at. So I think about like, how do I feel and how does my husband feel when my child is having a tantrum? Like, what does that look like? What does it feel like? What is the uh, most boiled down cutting uh, version that I could that I could put into words? And so I'll write longhand until I've sort of landed on sort of a a social commentary about it and boil that down. And then I'll start to shape the the scene around it. So what comes first plot or characters for you? <laughs> um, I generally premise, which I guess is plot. I kind of always say like, I work in like the big bang theory of idea generation, either everything comes to me at once or it never comes at all. And it never works out. So I have to wait for really to like, gel. Like when I had the idea that I was going to write a book about um, toddlers, essentially toddlers that are baby vampires and were biting their parents for blood. Like I knew everything at once. I knew that there were going to be three mothers. I knew that they were going to each have a philosophy about parenting. I knew that their teacher was going to have to be murdered. I knew it was going to be funny that the children were going to be the witnesses and suspects. Like it just, it all, I don't know. It all comes at once. I assume it's marinating under the surface at some point and then comes up. Do you hear from readers much? And and what have they been saying about this when uh, cutting teeth? I do get to hear from a lot of readers um, and I was just out on tour. So I really got to, to talk to them, which was so fun. Uh, we made an alarming number of readers pose with uh, vampire fangs for pictures, which was mm delightful to my little heart um (laughs) I think a lot of people well a lot of people talk to me about their kids being biters that's a big one but the one I love the most is people that say that they were the class biter like adults that are telling me that when they were younger they were the class biter and I'm so relieved because I see them and they're functioning adult humans that are normal (laughs) with jobs I'm like okay my son's going to be okay. Like we're going to be okay. Even these biters have grown up and been okay in the world. When you're not writing, what uh, genres do you enjoy reading? Oh, I love reading a lot of thrillers, um, kind of the genre I write in. Um, I am definitely a fan in the space as well. Uh, and then I, you know, I try to just branch out to whatever my book club is reading at the time. Like I just read it a fantasy book, which I haven't dipped into fantasy in a long time. I just read Fourth Wing and loved it. So I'm I'm eclectic. 
Uh, describe your writing space. Are we looking at it? Is this You're your office? Where you write? Yes. Yeah, this is my office. Um, it was, I think, kind of a post-pandemic gift to myself as I was working more and more at home. I really wanted a space that I enjoyed. Um, and this used to be our guest room. There's a bed behind that area. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love it. I And I have a walking treadmill. And so usually when I'm working, I elevate the desk and walk on the treadmill and try to get a few miles in as I'm working. I'm guessing with kids in school, if you're writing when they are in school, you're a midday writer? Yeah, I try to be at my desk by about 930 um, and write until I have to pick them up. But of course, as any parent or just person knows, plenty of things come up. Houses need attention. People need attention. You know. Yes. <laughs> Got to be flexible. Did you always know that you were a pretty good storyteller? No, I definitely did not grow up knowing that I was going to be a writer because I didn't know that that was even really a thing that you could do. I was um, an avid journaler. I kept a journal every day, I think from middle school through college uh, and never really thought anything of it. Um, and I'd always been a really avid reader. So I was a huge reader and then sort of rediscovered, you know, I went dormant. I think like a lot of people probably at the end of high school, very beginning of college where I didn't read a ton and then rediscovered it at the end of college. And from that point, I just wanted to find a career where I could be involved in books. Like I thought I might be an agent because I was going to law school. I thought, okay, that might be my path. I just want to, I just want to stay involved in books in whatever way I could. Um, but then I just really found that my, my path and my calling was, was writing. What is the most difficult part about writing for you, Chandler? Mm -hmm. Um, like all of it, <laughs> uh, first drafting, I think creating something out of nothing is always very daunting. I'm lucky that, I don't know if it's because of my life as a lawyer before this or just any, like I do have a really good sense of discipline and I'm good at showing up every day and doing the work. Um, but it's still very scary as when you're, when you're living in that first draft space, because there's a lot of time for second guessing and there's a lot of time for turning back and thinking, Oh wait, am I, is this even the book that I'm supposed to be writing? I find that those thoughts mostly in in the first draft space. And what is next for you and your writing? When is the fourth book due out next year? <laughs> Not next year. <laughs> I'm hoping 2025 will be my next book. Um, and, you know, it's funny you ask about the hard parts because I'm sort of living in that space right now of, wait, am I writing the right book? And sometimes I do have that sort of false start book in between the right books um, where I'll write something and realize, you know, you're always having to diagnose as a writer. It's very diagnostic. So I'm always thinking about like, okay, am I just avoiding it because it's hard and uncomfortable or is something actually wrong? Um, so I'm trying to make that diagnosis with the current book I'm working on right now, but I, but I think I might be on a false start and I might, might shift gears, but I'm also doing a lot of screenwriting right now. Well, we're on strike at the moment. Um, but once we're off strike, you know, and before we were on strike, that was taking up a decent amount of my time as well. How do you like screenwriting compared to novel writing? 
It's just so different. Um, I would never want to give up one for the other. Uh, I want to keep doing both. Uh, it's so much less space. <laughs> you really have to know, or I, I really have to know my purpose in a scene going in when I'm writing a screenplay um, because you just don't have room to sort of like work your way into the idea and to write your way into the idea the way I do, I think, as a novelist. Um, so it's good. It's also a lot more structure in screenwriting and I'm not a natural plotter or outliner. I'm very much fly by the seat of my pants. So it's it's pushing me on that front to change my writing process a little bit. And finally, Chandler, what would you like readers to take away from cutting teeth? Oh, gosh, I hope they feel seen, um, whether they're, you know, a parent or obviously the child of a parent about, um, you know, I just think there's so much catharsis in seeing experiences reflected back at us. And I think that that's what makes the book funny is people seeing like, oh, yeah, we all make mistakes in raising other humans, whatever your role is in that. Um, and we can all have a laugh about it because that's that's why there's imperfect humans in the world. So um, I hope it's just that sense of, of catharsis. The book, there it is, is Cutting Teeth. The author is Chandler Baker. Chandler, thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you so much. And this is Speaking of Writers.